Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. All right, we're going to start the message today. We're starting by uh, my wife is going to read the passage for us. Come on up. It, it took her a little bit to... Do you want here or uh, she was not real excited about it, but then I said, hey, it's over wives submit. So and she goes, she said, say that one more time and I won't even be there. So here you go. Do you want me to hold it? You got it? It feels like I'm towering over you. I'll back up. Am I doing this right? Okay. What verses? Ephesians five, verse twenty one through six, chapter four. Got it. Okay. Chapter 4, verse 4. All right. Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 4. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his, he is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands... For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds it and and cares for it, just as Christ cared for the church. And we are members of his body, as the scriptures say. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instructions that come from the Lord. I know know what y'all are thinking. Yes, I reached and she settled. That's all right, though. That's all right. Man, what a great passage. The, the, the most of what we're going to be in is right here. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Let's just pray and I'll dismiss y'all. I'm joking. I'm joking. Father, we do just submit ourselves to your word. It is beautiful, it is perfect, it is holy, and it is right. Father, may we just learn, may we be taught by you today for the transformation of our marriages, future marriages, for our families. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, we got a quick video that we're going to show, and then we'll get into the message. We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis have for each other. I can't believe I get to marry him. We're perfectly compatible in every way. Yeah, 
She just gets me, man. Someone to talk to all night long. Someone to talk to all night long. Early morning jogs. Sleeping in late. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll have one well-behaved daughter. We'll have four or five little dudes running around. He'll help me pay off my debt. I should probably tell her about all my debt. Is that important? We'll share a bank account. Obviously, we're gonna share a Facebook account. <laughs> do I need a friend my in-laws? Someone to do my laundry. Someone to do my laundry. Double income. Stay-at-home dad. Meal planning, of course. Take out. The city. The burbs. Mission trip. Ski trip. Blue. Red. Cat. Dog. Fries. Rings. Potato. Potato. Minivan. Motorcycle. Two words. Finished basement. Two words. Man cave. Uh, he's so smart. Do you think that birds wish that they had hands? We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. I'm gonna crush it at being a husband. There it is, okay. Uh, we, we all go into marriage with these expectations. I'm looking at some people that are going to be married at some point in the near future, a couple months, and it's like, don't be that couple, right? All right? But, you know, we, we all go into this relationship, into marriage with this box of expectations. And, and a lot of times they're not even said or spoken or actually communicated to one another, but we just we enter into this relationship with this, these expectations, and the expectations are what causes the fights and quarrels among us. You know, it, it's you walk in there and you're like, all right, here, here's how we're going to do money. You know, and for, for me, I, I was and still continue and try to bring that into submission. I'm, I'm the spender. Lauren's the saver. You know, and you, you look at that, and I have the expectation that everything's going to work out well, and we can just spin like we want to, and, and we love the Lord. He'll take care of it, you know? And then she's like, that's not how it goes, and we got to save, we got to steward, we got to be well, right? Kids, you come into this idea of how many kids you want to have. I always wanted to have a lot. Didn't really take into consideration the wife and the body and all that it has to go through, and so we end up with eight, which that's to talk about later, right? Uh <laughs> School choice, you know, you, ha you have this expectation of whether it's we would never homeschool our kids or it's like I would never send my kids to public school. And like you come into that. But a lot of times those aren't the conversations you're having before you get married, right? Because you just want to make sure, especially if you're the reacher like me, you just want to make sure that she's okay settling. And it's like, hey, we don't want to rock the boat so we don't have those conversations. You know, one thing is you talk about the holidays and it's like, you know, she's like, hey, we'll spend the holidays. We'll split the holidays. You know, we can do uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter with my family. And we can do Cinco de Mayo, President's Day, and Halloween with yours. And you're like, wait a minute. That's not fair. That's not splitting the holiday. But, you know, you have all these things that you come into. And it's this box of expectations that, that how, how she's going to treat you, how you're going to treat her. That, you know, not, not for me, but so, you know, hey, you get home, right, from a long day of work, and man, that dinner's going to be on the table, right? And, and sometimes it, it's not that first time that's not. Or even sometimes it's the wife that has that expectation because she has seen that, and she assumes that that's the expectation of the husband. We were talking with a couple this week, and she said, you know, for the, like the first three, four weeks, I was just 
dinner right when he got home. And the first time that I didn't have dinner right when he got home, she was like, I'm so sorry. Dinner wasn't ready. He's like, you know, really, I don't want to eat right when I get home anyways. You know, and she's like, oh, really? You know, and it's like she worked and did all these things to meet an expectation that he didn't even have. And so we take the world's view, we take all of these things that we bring into the marriage, but really where we need to start is right here in the word. And I know if, you're, if the women are in here, they're going, finally, here we go. We're talking about marriage now. The men are like, crap, I did, started to really enjoy this place, and now here we are. And the single people are like, seriously, this message today, you know? And so, yeah, because the truth is that when you're able to look at this passage, you'll be able to pull out no matter what age you're in no matter what season of life you're in these principles will carry through and if you're single and you're listening to this this will prepare you to be the best husband or wife that you can be fights happen because of our unmet expectations in order for a marriage to be successful in order for a marriage not just to be successful by the world standards but for marriage to be successful where a husband and wife are equally valued, looked at the same, cared for the same, what it first requires is that we take that box of expectations and we lay it down. And we refuse to go back and pull things out as things come up. The expectations that I put on my spouse are not hers to meet. So many times we use marriage or relationships to fill a void in our own lives that should only be filled with the Father. We try to get something out of marriage that can only be met in the person of Jesus Christ. And so what we have to start off doing is lay that box of expectations down. Because the very first verse, I, I think you might know, but it was not broken down. When Paul wrote the letter, he did not... Go, all right, and now starting in verse 15, we're going to call this consistency in the Christian life. He didn't add those, those titles in there. And he's like, all right, verse 22, wives and husbands. That was added by, by men to, to help it make it easier. But really, when you begin to look at the, the, the original manuscripts that are out there, verse 21 actually starts this next transition where it says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Right, And then I like how uh, my wife's version said, because most of your versions will just have a period right there. right? Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, period. And then wives, submit to your husbands. And it makes it almost seem like those are separate thoughts. It's one thought, submitting to one another, because my wife's version said, in the fear of Christ, what? So wives, for you, this is what that means. It, it's continuing that thought. Because actually, when you begin to look at it in the original Greek manuscript, that word submit in verse 22 that you see is not in there. There is no verb in that verse 22 in that sentence. It's, it's a sentence structure where it, it takes the verse, the verb from verse 21 and infers it to the next. And so we, you can't separate these two thoughts. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. For a marriage to be successful, it is not just the wife submitting. You see, we can look at this passage and go, Man, this seems a little old-fashioned, doesn't it? We're, we're in 2024 now, and it seems a little bit old-fashioned, but it really wasn't old-fashioned. It was actually groundbreaking 
for, for Paul to write. Because when he writes in verse 22, wives submit to your husbands, ask to the Lord. The, everybody would be like, yeah, I know we have to do that anyways. Like, what are you talking about? That's no big deal. That, that's what we're required to do. But when you apply it to the verse above it, submitting to one another, when Paul is telling husbands to also submit to their wives, that would, have, that would not have gone too well. It doesn't go too well sometimes here in Texas in 2024. It would have gone horribly wrong when he wrote this to Ephesus. Because you see, marriage was tilted toward the favor of man all the time. A man could divorce his wife without cause. A wife could not divorce, his, could not divorce her husband. Right? The, the wife could not own property. Everything was in the husband's name. You see, so marriage was tilted towards the favor of the man. And so where it says, wives, submit to your husbands, it's like, yeah, what else are we going to do? That, that's, that's all that we've been told to do. But then now he talks in, in marriage in a mutual submission where wives submit, husbands submit, and we both submit to Christ. What is crucial about this and, and what we can get out of this passage, especially if you're single, not married, if you are looking to get married at some point, that maturity can only be, can only be accomplished in relationships with others. Maturity can only be accomplished through our relationships with others. There's always this thought of, man, if I could just get on a beach, an island, a mountain by myself, and it's just me and the Lord... Man, we would be good if I didn't have to deal with all of you people. And that's not me saying that. That's y'all probably saying that about me, right? Like if I could just get away from all of you, then all of my problems would be solved. And it might solve a lot of the problems, but there will be no maturity in your life. You see, maturity is only accomplished in relationship with others. There are things that people will bring out of you the Lord will work through you through our relationships with others. If we always get what we want, when we want it, and how we want it, we become entitled, spoiled brats. Maturity comes in relationships with others. When somebody talks bad about you, it's an opportunity to love them in their worst moment with you. You're then able to see the love that Jesus had for you when he went onto the cross. While you were yet sinners, while you were enemies of God, he still loved you and sent his son to die for you. Where are those fun times when people talk bad about you? No. When your flesh, you know, just gets you, gets you going, and the enemy just helps you out and tells you all the other things that they probably thought and they just didn't say, and like, oh yeah, and, and all of this. But relationships bring about maturity in us. When, when you go through something, it brings something out. When, when you experience hurt, a loss in relationship, it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to just comfort you. you. You see that no matter what we go through in relationships, there's always a reason and a purpose. And it's to bring that maturity out in us. We all want to be mature but we want to skip the maturing process. Is that not so true? We all want that fresh bread, but man, to have to sit there and do all the things to get fresh bread, that's not that fun. 
We all want to be mature. We all want to have arrived. But we want to have to get past all those destinations, all the curves, all the surprises, all of the things. But that's what we're here for. That's how we get to be mature followers of Christ. Where, where our foundation is built on him and on nothing less. Our passage today, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. It's really pretty simple. And like I said, it seems old-fashioned. But actually it was not. Their marriage is never intended to be one person dominating the other. It's always meant to be a mutual submission that in turn glorifies God. A key to successful marriages is understanding that. We have different roles and responsibilities, gifts and talents, but we have the same value. You see, men and women in, in your house, y'all will divvy up the chores and the responsibilities of the house in a different fashion than, than maybe me and my wife do. But what at the end of the day, it doesn't diminish anyone else's value. If a, if, if a wife cooks every meal, does every dish, does all the laundry, she has the same value as a wife who goes to work every day, helps provide for her family. Different roles and responsibilities, gifts and talents, but we, all, we both hold the same value in the marriage. That's the key to, to having a successful marriage. It doesn't matter. Uh, we were talking uh, Wednesday night at the Bible study, and Miss Candy, she said, you know, the, the way her parents were raised, and it was this, this, and that, clear-cut, what we would deem old-fashioned, but it was not domineering. It was the roles that they had both agreed upon as husband and wife, and they did it together, and they submitted to one another. In order to have a successful marriage, you have to view your spouse with just as much value as you have. It might be different value. It might be different roles and responsibilities, but it's the same value there. The only way the key right there is in verse 21, and it says it so many times. In this, in this passage, it says it 11 times. As to the Lord or in Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You see that we do what we do in marriage, not for ourselves and not for our spouse, but we do it unto the Lord. Yeah. Wives, you submit to your husband as to the Lord. If you're single, the greatest training ground for marriage is to learn to walk with Christ, submit to him, Learn from him. He says, come to me. Learn from me. For I'm gentle. I'm lowly. Right? And learn from him. Learn what it means to submit to him. As you're single and you walk through these things. When, he, when you don't understand it. When you're frustrated by it. You just keep submitting. Because you know that he is good. And he is right. And he is true. Yes. Wives, you submit. As unto the Lord. There's not one perfect husband here. Sorry to burst your bubble, guys. Not one, not one of us here. Not, not one that's ever walked the earth other than Jesus Christ. Not one guy here is perfect. 
If, you, if, if it said, wives, submit to the perfect husband as to Christ, then, man, you'd be like, done, I'll do it. Show me that perfect one. But it says, submit to your husbands in everything as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That means you, you die so that she can live. You kill your flesh so that you can present her as pure and spotless and blameless before the Lord. As to the Lord, the way that I love my wife, I do it even though she's not perfect. My love for her has nothing to do with how well she is or how well she does things. It's how good and how well he loved me and called me. And so I, I love her, not because of her, sometimes in spite of her. Not really, this is for everybody. This isn't just me and you. Because my love for the Lord is so good that even when she doesn't deserve it, I still love him, love, love her and love him. We, we, we have to see each other as valuable. Lauren is by far the best Cook in the in the family, I, I preface that. Yeah, kids' homework, man. You 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 people that are in charge of the the reading with the kids when they're learning to read. Who God bless y'all. I mean, man. You know, I sit down and it's like, you know, Penny. It's like whatever the word that, and then like two lines later, it's that, and she's like, I I, I don't know, uh, is that three? And I'm like, babe, you just read it two lines ago. It's that, and two lines later, it's that again. You're like, babe, it's that. How do you not know? And then Lauren's just over there like, okay, Penny. You know, like, she's so sweet, so good with it. Full of wisdom. The moral compass in our family is right off of her, you know. Uh, we were talking about being in a, in a boat. We had a staff elder retreat. Like, if we were shipwrecked, like, moral compass, that lady right there, you know. Uh, but... She does those things, and it holds equal value. I bring to the table driving better, obviously, you know. Uh, no question on that. <laughs> you know, technology, I mean, she couldn't, she just, yeah, it, it's a struggle. I mean, watching me try to cook brownies is like watching her try to log into her, her phone. You know, it's like, babe, come on. But that's why we're together. I can, I'm good at putting things back together. It's not nice and clean and neat, but it works, all right? So that's, but we, we hold the same value. And she can't look down on me for, for not doing what somebody else does in their marriage because that's not what our marriage is about. We have to come to, to where we can see our value. And so many times what, what causes those fights is when she expects something out of me that's not even feasible or doable by me or she expects it and it's like man that's only the lord that can do that and so we have to begin to see people as valuable we have different strengths different weaknesses but we hold the same value if you're single i was thinking about you and i said make sure you know your value and your worth Because before you step into a relationship, you have to know your own value and your own worth. So that when you step into that relationship, you're able to communicate that. And say, these are the things that I do well and these are the things that I don't do well. I'm learning and I, I'll, I'll do the best I can, but that's not who I am. 
Know your value and know your worth so that you don't step into a relationship where you're unequally yoked with somebody. Don't view others as less than because they are differently gifted than you. This is really one of those passages that doesn't need a lot of explanation. It's not like we can, all right, well, what do you think Paul was meaning when he used that word submit? It's pretty simple, right? What Husbands, to love your wives. Like, I mean, I could give you seven things to do, and then you would run off and do that for about two weeks and be like, all right, that's a workout right there. I can't keep doing that. It's so simple yet incredibly difficult to walk out this passage. The way that I looked at it, and I just felt like the Lord was saying that it's difficult because the flesh wants to rule and reign over us. But as Christ followers, our flesh has died and the Spirit lives in us. But yet this is a daily occurrence. Our flesh died, right? It says you were dead in your trespasses, but now you're made alive in Christ. But that's every day that we have to be re-washed of those things. Wives... To submit means to voluntarily devote your strengths and your gifts to your husband. Submit doesn't mean my opinion doesn't matter. Submit doesn't mean you decide I'll bury my head in the sand. You decide and I'll tell you I told you so when you're wrong. Submit doesn't mean I don't care. I don't want that. Submit goes to voluntarily to devote your strengths and your gifts to your husband. So like, I can do this, this, and this, and let me help you with that. You see, in the garden, it says that, that Eve was taken out of the side of man to be a helpmate. For so many times, we, we've placed man. Even when you look in Ephesus, and man was obviously in charge. I mean, there were, there were no rules that man couldn't do, but the wives had to follow. But for so long, even in our society, We've continued to place Mel as the head and, and Mel, not, not just the head of the marriage, but like superior to female. But wives, when you submit, you're not saying, man, you're better than me. You're worth more than me. And I, I'm just here along for the ride. No, what you're saying is, hey, here's my strengths and my gifts, my talents and my abilities. And I'm going to use this and I'm going to be devoted to you. And th- these are for you to use. It's to come alongside him because of your love for him and your love for God. Husbands, to love your wife as Christ loved the church means that you must lose your life so that she can live. The word right here says, he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Husbands are to love their wives in such a way that we can present Her as pure, spotless, without blemish, and splendor. To exalt her in such a way that puts her before everything else. To take everything that the enemy wants to throw at us, at our family and our spouse, and we say, bring it on to me so that I can present my wife as pure and spotless. I will die so that my wife can live. Whatever the world has for me, whatever the enemy has planned against me and my family, I will take it so that she will be pure and spotless 
and blameless before the Lord. To place her needs above yours. To have more thoughts towards her than yourself. This one, I don't like this one. To give up a time of rest so that she can rest. Uh, I mean, you want me? You want me to get on? You want me to get on, y'all? We can list out the things that we do that are restful, guys. Right? We work all week, and it's like, man, I just need. This is going to be rude. I'm sorry. I know there's benefits to it, but just you got to balance it. All right. I work all week. I work so hard. I'm going to go hunting now. I'm going to spend the rest of the weekend without her. And I know you take your kids. I know you take your spouse. I'm just saying, right? Me, it's video games. Like, whew, I just want to rest and get plugged in and beat some little four-year-olds from across the world and make myself feel better. <laughs> Guys, whatever you, f- before you rest, have you checked on your spouse? Before you've taken time to rest, have you made sure that she's been able to rest? Because she has the same value as you do. She works. You, I know you work so hard. You deal with a lot of stuff, a lot of people. She, she deals with just as much, if not more. Don't believe me. Wait till your kid's trying to read, and you got to go through that book, and it's that word 17 times, and they don't get it. And you're like, man, I just need a break. And she doesn't get a break. Because I need rest because I worked so hard this week. To love your spouse as Christ loved the church means to withhold from myself so that I can have more to give to her. To say no to me so I can say yes to her. That's hard. I mean, if we're being honest, that's not fun. To love your spouse, to love your wife as Christ loved the church means to empty yourself so that she can be full. To everything that the Lord has given you, you pour it right back onto her to cherish her in a way that she deserves it. I was looking at this. uh, uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your spouse, love your wife as Christ loved the church. But then I wanted to share three things and we'll get out of here. I know it's supposed to ice at some point tonight. So we'll, we'll be done by five. But like, but then together, like if, if the wife is just working on herself and the husband's just working on himself, but yet they're not working on themselves together, then you'll end up with two people that feel like they're the only ones working on themselves. And then they look and go, well, I'm not happy anymore because I'm over here working by myself, improving myself. And then look at him. And so what happens is we have to come together at this point. And together in marriage, we have to be humble and gentle and lowly. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary. This is in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, burdened. Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and it is light. That, that yoke that he talks about, it, it's his teaching, his way of life. He says, you've heard all these other things, and they just put it on you. 
but put on my yoke, my teachings, my way of life. It is easy and it is light. We have to learn from him to humble ourselves. Two words that we just keep coming up, submit and humbleness. Like, man, if, if you want to work on the marriage together, walk in a spirit of humbleness, not considering yourself above the other. I love that Philippians 2, you know, it talks about Jesus in it, and he says he did not, let me, let me just read it, Philippians 2, I didn't have it up there, but it says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. And when, he had be, and when he had come as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God exalted him, highly exalted him above and gave him the name that is above every name. If your marriage is not where you feel like the Lord is pleased or where you feel like it's lacking, start with humility. Humble yourself Jesus did not consider some equality with God something to be exploited, taken advantage of. Walk in humility. The other part that I think kind of holds us up is we, we think that the other one doesn't deserve it, right? Because, because of all the times he or she has let us down. And it's like, man, I just keep, if I, if I, if I just keep rewarding that bad behavior, then he'll never change. But to be humble, to be gently, to be lowly, goes that even if he doesn't change, that doesn't change me. That doesn't change how I see him. That doesn't change how I see her. I'm going to continue to do that. Ephesians 2, 1 says that you were dead in your trespasses, but you've been made alive. Romans 5, yeah, 5, says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were enemies of God, he reconciled us to him. You see that no matter if, if you never come to Jesus, if you never give your life to Jesus, if you never do anything for Jesus, you can still be reconciled with God because his sacrifice did not, was not based on us doing anything in return. While we were yet enemies and sinners, he died for us. That means that if your wife, if your husband, never do it in response to never stop and never give up. Because later on, it, later on in, the, in the epistles, it, it goes that a believing spouse, a believing wife, who's married to an unbeliever, that, that maybe he will come to know God through her. Even if he doesn't, even if she doesn't do it in return, and it's not reciprocated, don't give up, don't give in. Because Jesus did something for us. 
that we could never do anything else in return. And he never regretted it. The other thing that I, I think about is that marriage is, is, a, is not a competition. We are so good at keeping score. How many times have we done the dishes? How many times have they done the dishes? How many times did they leave the, the, the laundry in the dryer and didn't put it away? How many times did they wake up how, when, when the baby needed a bottle? How many times did they do this? How many times did they do that? Back and forth, and we keep scoring. You see, competition brings out the best in us, and it can bring out the worst in us. Where there is competition in the household, intimacy is always undermined. Uh, to, to prove the point, guys, have you ever won an argument with your wife? There, if, if you guys have managed that, I can promise you there is no intimacy that night. Where there is competition... Intimacy is always undermined. Me, me and my kiddos, like I said, we like to play video games. I, I'm Mario Kart. Also, I can play lots of them, but uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm 43 years old this year, and I'm, I'm undefeated in Mario Kart. Uh, me and Ben were playing. Ben got quite irritated one time because the competition will always undermine intimacy. My need to win caused their to lose intimacy here. It was funny because Max, our 19-year-old, comes walking down after like an hour of me whooping him. And Max comes walking down and Ben's like, hey, Max, you want to play Dad Mario Kart? Max is like, I'm not an idiot. You know, like, been there, done that, I'm out. No way. You see, competition in marriage will always undermine intimacy because you're always keeping score and you will always feel like no matter how you keep the score, you're always in the favor. Have you ever played, played a game, games with people like that? And they always want to keep the score. We experienced it this weekend. And, and the person that keeps the score always tries to win the most. Or, and they might try to maneuver the scores to win. Because, see, competition will always undermine intimacy. Competition seek, seeks to have a winner and a loser. And when this happens in a marriage, there are no winners. You can keep that score all day long of how many days he's left his socks on the floor. Right by that dirty laundry hamper. You can keep that score all day long. And all it's going to do is steal the intimacy that you have for your husband. So that you can feel right about yourself. Guys, you, you can keep score on all the times they, they failed to meet your expectations. And all it's going to do is drive a wedge between you and her. That she has no idea of even how to get to close that gap. Marriage is not a competition. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 that the Son of Man what came to serve, not be served. He washed the disciples' feet. If we took a, took a lot more lessons in serving one another and not competing with one another, there would be more intimacy in our marriages. It's a race to the bottom. The world will say, hey, get to the top as fast as you can. Humility and submission says, hey, I'm going to get to the bottom as fast as I can. The last one is to be focused on your marriage. Great marriages don't happen by accident. 
You're not going to wake up 20 years later and go, man, our marriage is great. I haven't done anything with it. It's good. It's not going to happen. It's the same thing of, of maintaining a car. If you take care of it, Mike works on my truck, so sorry for being a hypocrite in this, Mike. Uh, if you take care of it, you, you rotate the tires, you change the hoses, change the spark plugs, do all these things, you'll never end up broken down on the side of the road. When I take my truck to Mike, and Mike's like, Jeff, when's the last time you changed the oil? And I was like, 2017? I don't know. Man, what are you talking about? You know? He's like, Jeff, that's not good. <laughs> Marriage is the same way. We find ourselves broken down on the side of the road and going, how did we get here? What happened? And you begin to look at your life and go, oh, well, she was doing this and I was doing that. And we never, we never did it together. She was doing her thing. I was doing our thing. We had the kids taking care of them, running them to all their things, sports games, throwing nuggets at them in the back of the car just to get to the next. And it's like, you never invested in it. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to be intentionally focused on your marriage. Can I encourage you too that, that the marriage is crucial? You can do all of the things. You can get that job you can get that promotion that everybody else looks at. And it's like, man, that's it. And if you get that job at the expense of losing your family, well, what good is it? You, you can do all of the things that the world says is right and good. At the expense of losing your wife and your kids. Then who, who, she said, what good is it to gain the whole world yet to forfeit your soul? What good is it to gain the whole world yet to forfeit your spouse, to forfeit your kids, to forfeit the generations so that you can buy that second house? What good is it? Focus on the marriage. There's this book I, I, I love to, to read. Charles Dickens wrote this book called Bleak House. There's a character in there. Her name is Mrs. Jellyby. Mrs. Jellyby, she has all these kids, and she takes in these kids. She's a wealthy lady. And her husband is doing his thing. Husband's at the point of ending his marriage, ending his life. Mrs. Jellyby, you walk into her house, and it's told from the perspective of a six-year-old girl in her house, and she brings in all these kids and does all these things, but yet Mrs. Jellyby is so concerned with this project in Africa and all of her time and her devotion goes to this project in Africa building wells for the, these people and, and taking care of them and you walk into Mrs. Jellyby's house and her husband's a wreck the kids are dirty malnourished not taken care of and you talk to Mrs. Jellyby and you're like how's it going today and Mrs. Jellyby's like it's going so good we're raising all this money for this and doing that she takes all the money that, that her husband goes bankrupt her kids suffer but when you talk to Mrs. Jellyby everything's good because she's looking out there at the next thing and the best thing that's out there and so many times we have that in us that we I'm just going to man marriage isn't going great my kids aren't going great I'm just going to dig into work and I'm going to become the most successful so that people look at me and they go, man, that guy was so successful. But yet everything else is rotting away. 
wives can do the same thing. I'm going to be so focused on all these things that I ignore all the things that are happening in right in my own house. What good is it to gain the world yet to forfeit your soul? What good is it to gain status, popularity, and money from the world and yet lose your family and your kids? Don't be Mrs. Jellyby. The most important thing is not those things outside of there, but it's what's happening inside of your home. Last one, I'm being focused on your marriage and then we're ending. Spend time in prayer. If you're not praying for your wife, you're not loving her well. Said it. <laughs> you can be mad at me if you want. If you're not spending time in prayer over your wife, you're not loving her well. Because you still, you still think you have all the answers. You still think you can make it all happen. To love your, life well, to love your wife well that's to spend time in prayer over her. Well, glad that's probably the last sermon y'all heard me preach, right? Y'all are gone. I'll be here next week. Father, we just come before you today. Submit all of these things to you, to your, to your word, to your Holy Spirit. Would you just take one thing and make it real to each of us? Whatever it is, Father, let, let this not just be a talk, a, a, a speech, but let this be something that would transform the lives of those in here. Let the marriages be transformed. Father, we love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I really had thought about trying to make it all happen with the kids because the kids are in here because chapter 6, 1 through 4 is about kids honoring your parents and uh, obeying them. And I just didn't feel like I could adequately cover that. And so next week they'll have children's church. And so me and Mandy will get together and we'll have a teaching for that for them to be able to just be equipped because children, when you obey, and I love how it says in that Ephesians 6, it says this was the first commandment with a promise. First commandment with a promise. And so look forward to seeing you guys next week. We will be in Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. Love you guys.